What up, listeners? This is a special edition of Everyday Valor. We're discussing relationships. We talk about the scope of relationships. We ponder questions such as, are your emotions the truth? And we explain why couples argue over cake. Join our conversation between our heartful hand, Dr. Maurice Yearwood, and myself, the quiet contrarian, Demetrius Thomas. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Everyday Valor. Welcome to Everyday Valor. One of the reasons I want, or I'm in the process of, of working on a project around relationships. One, because it's on my heart really heavy and I feel like other things, other feelings, other other ideas and stuff will not flow until I release this. I guess it's like a bit of an artist syndrome. Yeah. But it's heavy because um, it's like you just said, is is your committed relationship. And one of the things you have to balance is between your needs and her needs, your family needs. And I think a lot of times when you when you are single probably aren't used to having a healthy committed relationship it could be a bit lopsided in terms of you know your needs being put in the forefront before others yeah so it's really interesting that you you constantly every single day even in this situation in terms of support sort of deprioritizes your um stuff that you may have going on at work some people aren't really willing to Probably at certain stages of their life, they're probably not willing to make that trade-off or that sacrifice. I know, speaking personally, I wasn't, you know, a number of years ago. Right. So even, like, now, learning to... And why was that? I feel like there is a season for all of this, right? I think there are moments where you need to be selfish so that you can learn about yourself and understand what's a priority to you. Everybody's not built for relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm. I'm not that guy. I can't tough it out alone. I don't think. Okay. But um I'm under the belief that there are people who are not meant to make that commitment because we have the option. And yeah. I don't think we discredit people who don't want to make that choice. Yeah. I'm glad you made that that uh distinction because it's one of the traps one can easily fall into is assuming that everyone wants to be in a relationship or everyone needs to be in a relationship or committed relationship in their life to be happy or to feel fulfilled. Right. I think, so you raised a really good piece and I'm glad you parsed that out. For me, in terms of my my feelings around it and what I'm doing research on now is for the individuals who really want to be in a committed relationship, who really want to have that personal engagement, but find themselves habitually not in that situation or trying their hardest or finding themselves in gray areas, the question becomes, well, why? And I think the tendency from what I observe, not in terms of like actual evidence and results and findings, but what I observe is there's a tendency to look outward for that answer in terms of why. And I'll put myself in that in that category as well. Definitely me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, 
<laughs> I think you asked me the question, why was that for me? I was under the belief that in my early 20s that I needed to have everything situated before I could move her into our house. If that makes sense. I needed to have my money right. I needed to have the real estate right. I needed to have the great job. Everything needed to be sorted. And I never stopped for once and thought to myself, why not build that with somebody? And I think once I had that mentality in terms of I need to do everything to get it right before I can engage someone into my life, you get into the habit of constantly pushing your standard higher and higher and higher. And there's a sacrifice to that for some individuals. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think for myself, I going back to your earlier point, I don't think I realized how selfish I was Mm. because I always was under depression, especially as a kid growing up, thought I was giving, thought I had pretty good values and live that display that outwardly my focus on achieving this certain level of success as I saw it didn't allow for me to understand what it took to develop a relationship on the level that one would want for whatever that committed relationship may be I don't always say one has to be married but just Mm -hmm. say for these purposes marriage right or Mm -hmm. just that deep relationship everyone would kind of come in and come out and i was the center of attention as i went down this path so um, mm. and i didn't i didn't get it yeah it's so <laughs> it's funny you say that because listening to you it's interesting because i when i have conversations now man this, this, there's so much that we can unpack right now but i'm yeah. gonna stay on, on course <laughs> yeah, I, i'm gonna stay on course what it sounds like you and i are describing for both of us is we spent a lot of time building ourselves to look good on paper. So, you know, yourself doing the Ivy League at Columbia, being extremely focused and and having an opportunity to work at a top-tier firm in London uh, and probably being one of the first, you know, from your, I don't want to say neighborhood, but from where you're from to kind of make those type of leaps and and strides. Definitely family. Definitely (laughs) family, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of hold that that as a badge of honor. I myself, you know, had a similar experience ending up in London, sort of on the same track. And you continue to like build yourself to look good on paper. You know, people talk very well about you. As you said, your narrative was your giving person, nice. And you kind of feed into that narrative and that story. However, on the flip side, although you're looking amazing on paper and your financial accounts may be a little chunky emotionally. Right. You just haven't really developed the necessary strength to actually maintain a relationship. So when you look good on paper, you can attract the really awesome female. Right. But once you get her, it's very difficult to maintain that because emotionally you just aren't necessarily equipped to be selfless, as you mentioned. And that's a really interesting facet to me now because I find even now... There are individuals I know in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who still struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. Hugely. But how did you go about working on your emotional selfishness? Because that's really key component, I think. Yeah. And I think before before I dive in, I think that is, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is why you want to do this, this conversation, you want to have this talk, is to help people kind of shine a light on 
what those things are to shorten that time because you know it took us into our 30s <laughs> in order yeah. to start figuring this this stuff out and for people one who haven't figured it out yet in their 30s because i know a lot of people who have not and then those younger folks who want relationships and maybe are struggling with this this is a light for them to see some of the things that may be holding them back correct me if i'm wrong there no man you're right i think not even i think the way it's set up now for me is yes it, it took until this age to realize that that there was a problem and instead of looking outward i had to look inward and a lot of times i would tell you know my my female friends who were in their late 20s uh, early 30s um, and even some in their 40s when they were talking about relationships and how they want to be in one and how they're not enough good men and this is across different races my biggest thing would be like after a while i'd be like listen you should spend a bit more time focusing on what you need to change in order to engage the person that is right for you and you're absolutely right i want to piece together this project and this will probably be you know 40 50 page um ebook in which i provide my expertise on what not to do in order to have an actually um enjoyable relationship right and and let's be clear i'm single right now however i feel extremely confident because of the process that i've gone through over the past couple of years whether that's committing to abstinence whether that's stepping up to the table and speaking to exes about things that they felt I was lacking. And there were, D, there were so many blind spots that I didn't realize until I started to ask the question and sort of put my ego to the side. Don't get me wrong. In those conversations, I really wanted to be like, what? And just get, who are you talking about? But you said this and you did this. And that's probably one of the reasons why I would find good people and then end up not being engaged with them. Man. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So, and of course, you know, a small part of me believes that never goes away to a certain extent. <laughs> but being equipped emotionally now to at least manage it in a relationship. And back to your point, yes, I want to be able, someone to pick it up, to hear this, and to, to one, not give up on the possibility of being in a healthy relationship, but also, two, to realize that as long as you can make a few tweaks and changes within yourself, that you'll probably have a higher probability of engaging in the right relationship. With that said, of course, being a psychologist, I must say this, it's very difficult or challenging to invest hours upon hours and weeks and months on reflecting and putting your head on the chopping block to figure out what changes you need to make when over the years you've been beat down in relationships emotionally. Yeah. The last thing you want to hear is someone saying, once again, it's your fault. You feel me? Yeah, no, because that's it. Like, Because to answer your question that you asked me before I dumped mm-hmm. off was, yeah. was just that. I had to listen, man. Like, I've always prided myself as a great listener. And it's funny when you when you have those you know, enlightened moments, those aha moments, like, man, I was not listening because I had, I had the mirror, right. I had all these relationships 
that were reflecting all of my issues <laughs> because they would just come up and yeah. I chose not to see them or listen or be defensive when someone tried to shine a light on it. And I had to, I didn't go through as in a deliberate process as you did in terms of like engaging everyone. I, I, I didn't want to. But, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it to the extent and deliberateness okay. that you did. Um, okay. I what helped me was I. I feel like I don't forget conversations, especially emotionally charged conversations with people I had interpersonal relationships with, and like I basically just started recounting. Um, I would write, recount, and understand what was the issue is, the what was the issue, and like what role did I play in that, and why why couldn't we get past that from my perspective? Mm. Uh, when I say from my perspective, not my perspective, but from the other person's perspective, why was I the inhibitor, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, and that's that's how I broke through and I still I still have to do that now right in my relationship you know we all have an emotionally charged argument <laughs> I was gonna say conversation but yeah. you know, to sum it up an argument right? an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and Call we don't have this. many but in and it cannot be an argument it can be a conversation where I know she's frustrated right I'm like man why what am I doing like I don't think I would ask that before like what am I doing mm. to frustrate mm. and I might not do it in a moment I might have to walk away <laughs> and mm-hmm. and sit down and write like writing my is my thing like that's what helps me figure out my issue what the issue is with me and then I can go back and say all right and have a better conversation constructive conversation and I think People have to find what their thing is. Is it writing? Is it going to, I'm all about therapist. What is that thing to help you shine a light on things that you probably normally would not shine a light on? Interesting. So you feel like writing is, is and the perspective of your writing, is it Q&A? It, it can come in different forms. A lot of times, a combination of initially meditation, and then I'll write whatever comes up. Before I meditate, I can ask a question and see what mm. bubbles up and then write write it all down. Or it can be, for myself, a question, answering. And, and usually, I have in the back of my mind, I know what I want to write about, but I don't start writing about that. I start recounting other things so that I can get in the, the flow and I'll just let things flow out. And it'll come up and then I'll ask myself harder questions or get out of the loop because I, I think we can get stuck in this loop in our mind. Like this is, this is it. You know, this is the action. This is the result mm. and not get into asking questions about what has actually happened and what role did I play and what role the other person played, et cetera. Oh, okay. I see you mean like, like falling prey to, to just getting hooked on the insights from the writing versus actually di- diving into, I guess, longer term. This is the real issue. This is what I need to work on. This is blah, blah, blah. Things like that, you mean? Yeah, I think I'm trying to make it concrete. 
I think for myself, and I don't have any evidence for this, but just me, I can get into loops of thought. Mm-hmm. Like, especially after an argument, like, she ate my cake. Right. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> and I can't get out of she yeah. ate my cake. And I'm angry to uh, to ask the question, why did she eat my cake? Maybe she was hungry. Maybe she had not eaten all day from working and running around all day. Like, she was really hungry. We didn't have any food in the refrigerator. She wanted to eat the cake, right? Like, I didn't take the empathetic path. I just went from she ate my cake and she shouldn't have ate my cake. Right. It's kind of so hard. Getting out of that loop. Yeah. It's hard to have, well, it's challenging to have empathy when you're angry or upset or somebody hurt you. Yeah. Or you feel like somebody's hurt you. And it's interesting that you're saying all of that in terms of the writing and, and, and relationships and such. <laughs> Man, one thing I had to learn through this entire process is I'm not sure if my emotions are the truth. And that was the crux that really that really pushed me, I don't want to say over the edge, but pushed me to look at myself in the mirror and say, you have an issue. You have a problem. What can we do to create the environment or space in our lives, like my life, to address this or figure it out without hurting other people in the process? Hence, I had to, like you said, I didn't go to as extreme measures. I had to go extreme in order to see what the real issue was without hurting more people in the process. But yeah. you raise a good point in terms of looking at your emotion in the face and giving yourself reasons in terms of different beliefs versus attaching one thing to it. So I'm angry that she ate my cake. First of all, why am I angry? Oh, I'm angry because I had a bad day and I wanted to eat the cake. But what what if she had a bad day, too, and wanted to eat the cake? Yeah. Maybe I should just go get more cake and we both sit down and talk about, babe, how was your day? Yeah. And it's like, oh, that that emotion wasn't actually the truth. It was just my truth, quote unquote, in that moment. And that was so when I said I went back to exes. Too many of them that I should have went, by the way. And I had that conversation immediately. Every emotion that came (laughs) <laughs> Every, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Every, there were so many emotions that came up in those conversations and I realized every time an emotion of anger or being flabbergasted came up when they would say stuff from the past I wanted to jump in with so much ego because I had beliefs attached to every emotion but I had to surrender to the fact that I was hat in hand and I wasn't there for that. I was there to be in a position to, like you say, listen and learn and to understand where, where did I play the role. And going through that process for almost a year, year and a half, I realized actually my emotions, it's not really my truth. Yeah. It comes up, but it's not my truth. Right. I, I had a great quote that... And I want you to continue, but I just had this great quote and I can't remember the person who said it, but um, I I used to listen to these tapes that my my mom would give me and 
he said, the emotion is real. The why is a lie. Um, mm. And I remember riding in my, my, my first car, my Jetta. And <laughs> I, I think that helped. Yeah, it, it just helped me, right? It just as exactly what you're talking about. Like, what you feel is real, but the reason yeah. why you're feeling it, probably not true. Mm. But yeah, mm. please continue. And I guess once you'd like dissolve that reason, that lie, then the emotion itself sort of dissolves as well. Yeah. Really interesting. And I uh, think, yeah, hey, hey, now shoot. No, uh, and the the trick or the hack, if you will, is then understanding when you feel a certain way, being able to say the reason why I'm feeling this in this current moment is not truth. Like having that mm-hmm. presence in the actual moment is mm-hmm. is key. Like when you're able to get there, because as you're describing, you're letting go of your ego in, in that in that instant and your emotions mm-hmm. can be the trigger to allow you to let go of your ego, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's, it's and I and I actually feel like once I step into that um that next phase of life in terms of relationships and really for for, for people who listen in um to everyday valor specific to really any relationship is being able to make that distinction in regards to their emotions and whether or not there is truth in it. Because I'll tell you what then happens in all, in most human interaction is then you begin to start taking things personal. And once you start taking things personal, and I have in the past, and I might say to the person, nah, 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 it's cool, say whatever you want to say. Uh, once they do say it, now I'm in a position because my emotions are so real and I feel as though you're attacking me. Well, now I'm going to take this personal and tell you why you're wrong and also tell you why you do the same thing you're telling me that I do. Yeah. And by the way, you should be complimenting me and, 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 and praising me because I've always taken your stuff and I've ignored it, but obviously you're not ignoring my stuff. So let me go ahead and tell you what you do do. (laughs) And let me tell you why this is like, and let me tell you why this becomes disastrous D is because when you have a really genuine person that cares about you and loves you and they share something from their heart that they might've been scared to, and you take it personal and you go on a rat, a rampage of words and emotions. What you've done just then is you've neglected how they feel. Yeah. You've chosen my emotions are more important than what you just said, which goes back to what you and I said earlier, emotional selfishness. That's how that looks. That's how that plays. That's that's how that looks. It's not just a concept to throw up in the air and say I was emotionally selfish. Now I'm more emotionally selfless. That's those are just words. But the way literally like what I just said is how it works in conversation is how it works in relationships. And if you're a person who's been hurt in the past, like myself, I'll raise my hand and I'll say it, although I wouldn't have two years ago. You've been hurt in, in, in the past. Your immediate first defense is taking something like that personal. Yeah. And someone who genuinely loves you, now they're put in a tough position because they're dealing with what society calls your baggage. The other side of this, which I, 
I, I don't mean to laugh, but <laughs> I see you smiling. <laughs> it's been funny in my life is because it's serious. Like when you are in a relationship with a person who you should not be in a relationship with, like you, <laughs> you do not, you don't care about this person's opinion. You don't, uh. you don't believe in it. Like how you're practicing just this, like, you know, we were talking when we started the, our conversation, I think before we start recording, just everyday practice, like what are what is blocking and tackling? And if you are in your life, your everyday is or, you know, you go through your hoeing period or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. And that is your practice. You are what you're are practicing emotionally is it's not setting yourself up for success in the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But man, we can there's yeah. so many things we can unpack because because <laughs> I'll throw something else out there and, and and we'll probably need to like deep dive into this uh maybe with some other individuals. Um but the real kicker is a lot of this you could be this this could be your practice for twenty 25 plus years. Yeah. This could be how you actually witness love in your childhood. Yeah. Right? Like this is your representation of love. I remember one time, you know, years ago, someone that I was interested in dating and we were started the process of speaking. She was, you know, she looked at me and she said, listen, I don't, the way I view love is, a man needs to show me how upset he is or angry when something happens because it, it reflects on how much he cares. Hmm. And I was just standing there like, so you're like into conflict and arguing. And she's like, I think it's healthy. And I do believe that having certain intense relationships are beneficial but the way she represented love in her life or grew up with it is definitely not how I represent love in my life. Yeah. My childhood was more playful between my parents. They argued, but it was more playful. And maybe I'm not saying her, hers is right, mine is, uh, is wrong, or vice versa, but that also plays a huge role. And again, that, that's kind of connected to like what you said, beliefs and emotions. Yeah. Funny how it always ties back to that. But um, but yeah, man, it's it's for people who are listening to this, and and I know we're just kind of skimming the surface a bit. Is one of the a very good first step if you're not in a relationship and you want to be in a healthy relationship is to probably step back and ask yourself questions like, "Am I someone who has a long list of things a man or a woman needs to do to show me that they love me?" or Versus having a list of what I need to do to serve and, and love on somebody else. So what do I mean by that? I can tell you right now what I want from the perfect partner. But the question is, do I know what I can give or what I'm willing to give? Or how I'm willing to love on that person? Things like that. When you know, when I sit down, and I, you know, I I need a man who's strong and who has a good job and all this other good stuff. And that's a, that's amazing. That standard is beautiful. All right. But I never. I, I rarely. I <laughs> like you said it all proper. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I rarely, <laughs> I rarely, I rarely bump into people where they just start going off at the hip about what they're bringing to the table. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's and it's an interesting way because it's like again, you need to prove to me or have everything in man, listen, we could hey, we could be here all day. So I decided <laughs> to invest a couple of years shaving down my ego, which is still there, but being a bit more intentional. And I really feel like intentional, that word, is a key crux of everyday valor. Because it's, you know, everything that we're talking about now is being intentional in the sense that, okay, I need to be more aware of my emotions in that moment. I need to be aware of, you know, what is it that I can bring to the table from a loving and a serving perspective. It's just really being intentional. And that's that's really what I want to do over the next couple of months, year, in putting together this project is being intentional so that other people can kind of learn from my mistakes and things that I've I've observed and done research on. Totally agree. And I and I believe that it just spills over, right? If you start being intentional about relationships, if especially if you view it as probably one of the most important things in your life, how that spills over into other facets of your life from work and how you spend your time your leisure time, etc. You just becomes more intentional and you eliminate, we, as we were talking earlier, I, and again, I think this was before we started recording those rabbit holes. Or those. Mm-hmm. Time is our most important asset and we are easily distracted and easily waste a lot of time. And mm-hmm. once, you're start, once you start being very deliberate and intentional about just one thing, certain things, you just see the effect that it can have in your life and being able to live with passion throughout all facets of your life. And I think that's what people really want, right? They want to be able to have a passion, loving, happy life. Passion-filled, loving, happy life. Yeah. Love, love, love. Thanks for listening to Everyday Valor. This was the first installment of a four-part series on relationships. Please tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you would like to hear more of in the comments below, or email us at the address in the notes. Don't forget to rate us. Thanks again for listening, and remember to live your everyday with courage, deliberateness, and passion. Live everyday valor.